again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Reaction Therapy Podcast. I am Tom Stevens, your resident psychotherapist, here to have a really, really great episode for you on a really important topic as we wrap up the month of suicide prevention. And I think that's a pretty cool thing for September to have that. So Nick and I wanted to have a special episode where we talk specifically about that because mental health matters, and we're here to spread mental health awareness to the world through music, lyrics, and today through a podcast. Nick, I am glad to have you here today with me. As always, take it away. Glad to be here too. Go buy some some merch. I just pulled this uh, off the yep. table here, but go get your merch our- uh, first and for- foremost. No, I'm just kidding. But definitely, uh, if you're interested, go to the merch store. But yeah, today it's going to be really fun. We're talking about uh, Suicide Prevention Month and just what it means to us, what it means to you specifically, Tom, because you work with it a lot in your office. And I've definitely had my um, fair share of, you know, just being around um, people who have dealt with kind of stuff with stuff with uh, suicide and different kinds of anxiety and depression and stuff like that. So, which is really going to help when it comes to kind of knowing across the world, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, that you can always be touched by uh, just really sad topics of suicide and of self-harm and, and just where the world is today. And I think it's more intense today than it was when I grew up, to be honest with you. And I can tell you why, but we want to take a little bit of time to talk about it because, well, number one, we went to a Suicide Boys concert. There's a title. Number two, it's Suicide Prevention Month. Next month is Cancer Awareness Month in October. So maybe every month we have a topic that we just cover for the month. Yeah, maybe at the very end of each month we could. This is coming out literally on like one of the last days of September. So I mean, it would be cool to do that. I think at the end of each month to do kind of yeah. a special topic around that month. Um, look, we can cover like serious topics and still have fun. Like, oh yeah, we're that's have fun. the key to the podcast is we have yeah. a good time, we enjoy each other's company, and we're going to talk about serious topics. But just if you came to a session with me for therapy, yeah. the entire hour is not miserable and deep and dark and harsh. It's, you know, we talk about life and things that are going on. So here you know, we are. You know Any good stuff happening? You know, well, you know what's also cool about what? what you just said? How, you know, I work at your office sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I go up there and do work. Um, usually it's for reaction therapy, but I'm still up there. And I see um, you walk back clients into your office and you offer them like a soda or candy or like, snacks and stuff like that like therapy is not all like oh i'm going to go sit in this room and talk about my feelings the entire time it's like hey do you want something to drink like sometimes it's just talking and getting your feelings out which is i think a really cool thing but so therapy is not you know we made that episode on like why therapy like isn't good or whatever i don't know what it's called but therapy can be really good um, and really not just like a deep dark place where you go and like It's like, I don't know, when I used to think about therapy and when I used to um, have friends that thought about therapy, they would think it's all like terrible and like, wow, you go to therapy, that's terrible, but really it's not. So that is the sad part when it comes to therapy is, well, two things. Number one, it's not always the same. You've got to know that. And it's not the same as like, I've got a cold or I've got a flu. I go to the ready clinic or the doctor, I get my antibiotic, I take it and I go home, right? It's just not the same as that. It can be a really bad experience or it can be a really good experience. And if you have a good mental health professional, they'll be able to help your life get better over time, assuming your situation is not staying really rough, because that's what can make it not get better. But 
Uh, also, I like to set up an office that I'd like to go to. I really have done that for 27 years. Like Jill and I want to make people feel comfortable and welcome. That's why we don't have a crowded, flooded office with a bunch of people all over the place. It really is maybe a couple people in the waiting room at a time for the most part, and maybe one at a time, you know, where it's more private. And I like to offer soft drinks, water, coffee, a snacks. You look in our waiting room, you look in our offices, we have candy, we have uh, crackers, we have animal crackers for children. We don't sit here like a candy factory, <laughs> but we know a lot of children come from after school and they're hungry. We know people come from work and or they're out and about running around. And sometimes it's just kind of cool to have like a snack or something to drink and just enjoy the time. We want you to be comfortable because I would want to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, so it was a little off topic to what we're talking about today, but I think it is important for people to realize that, you know, when you go to the right, <clears throat> excuse me, when yeah. you go to the right therapist's office, it can be very inviting. And yeah. cool. I think also about the, like the lighting is pretty cool. And y'all yeah. try to make it where it's not like super bright lights, like we're under here. Um, but like chill lights and like lights that will yep. make people want to talk. Yeah. Just comfortable. Right. Yeah. So today we're talking, obviously, for the fourth or fifth time, we're talking about Suicide Prevention Month. Mm -hmm. I like the uh, the title that you had on our little sheet mm -hmm. of paper. It says creating hope when it feels hopeless. What, yeah. what does that mean exactly? I, I, when life gets really rough enough, like anybody who's been in any kind of depression, not even like clinical, the worst kind, but just feeling depressed. Things feel hopeless and things don't, you end up not having much energy. I mean, pretty much everybody in life has been there for yeah. something, but you have no energy and there's no real desire to do anything. And you kind of just let the depression take you over. And so in order to recover from any suicidal ideation, deep, dark feelings of hopelessness and feeling like a heavy depression, like life is not worth living a lot of times. I want to be able to create hope that to see just a little glimmer of hope that things can get better and it might not be completely better tomorrow, mm -hmm. but tomorrow can be better than today. Yeah. Even by doing one thing differently, it can be better than today. So with that said, I always try to have that vision of like creating hope, possibility, opportunity, uh, having a, a glimmer of, you know, positive thinking for tomorrow, not just dreaming and acting like everything's going to be awesome, but really just a little bit more tomorrow than today. Yeah. I, I can't remember the exact quote that I heard the other day, but um, on TikTok, I heard, I see these, sometimes these motivational like quotes that either people are just are saying, like they're saying them, but they're reading them off somewhere. Um, or they're just, they just post it. It was something about like waking up tomorrow is something like promise me you'll be here. Like you'll wake up tomorrow or something, something to that effect about, I thought it, it's not what it said probably, but it was something to yeah. do with like tomorrow, like, like waking up tomorrow or whatever. And it's like, yeah. that's, that's like key for like people who are dealing with like suicidal thoughts and stuff like that is like, <clears throat> just make it to tomorrow morning. Like, mm -hmm. because a lot of times we'll, this might not be what that quote is saying, but, for me, I interpret it like 
sometimes the night can be the roughest time mm -hmm. in somebody's life that's when they're dealing with those thoughts like the night is tough mm -hmm. because you're by yourself you're isolated um and it's the most high i guess it's the highest chance of you wanting to do something to yourself but then you wake up the next morning that means okay it's a new day i'm starting fresh again so i don't know that just came to me when you were saying that about like tomorrow yeah you know it's funny i think of the song truce from 21 pilots and that's exactly opposite of what you said it honestly can go either way. It can go to uh, the night being so lonely and so sad and the morning being so hopeful and a new day. The opposite could also be true. People could actually feel better in the mm -hmm. night and having the settledness of sleep and being detached from the world. And when the new day comes, they can actually feel really hopeless because I have to go do another day of misery. And sometimes laying in bed and the sleeping is actually yeah. an escape. So it's really weird how it can go it either can way. Yeah. I could love the night. You could hate the night. I could love the morning. You could hate the morning. And so it's important with people to just find out which one works for you because yeah. I don't always like saying, gosh, the nighttime and going to sleep is so amazing. It's so great because for a lot of people, it's not, it's hard. And so that's what you want to do when you're talking about anything having to do with depression and heavy, you know, uh, hopelessness in life is where are you hopeless? Like mm -hmm. what part of your life looks hopeless, but we yeah. can get into that. Well, and then also that was, um, so I, I mentioned that quote and I, I, maybe that's just for me, what I feel like, I don't know. It could just be what, what I feel of like the night being rougher sometimes than the daytime. I know for a lot of people mm -hmm. that's true, but also I think it's just with like suicidal thoughts, but also any addiction or trauma you're dealing with, it's just making it to the next point. It's yeah. like, it's just, can I escape this for enough yeah. to get through? Because then your mind will hopefully shift and think about something that's else. Really so good point. Maybe that was my main point about like make, making mm -hmm. it till tomorrow is yeah. like, well, it's a 12-step philosophy, right? One day at a time. They talk yeah. to drug addicts, alcoholics, and sometimes they say one hour at a time. Make it yeah. to make it to lunch. Yeah. You know, make it to the end of the work day. Make it to the morning, like you said. And yes, that's hope. You know, the way that Nick said it is getting to tomorrow means another chance, another opportunity to have a day that actually could go well. And that's where we want to turn people and thinking, well, if tomorrow's not the same as yesterday was where it was horrible, what would it look like? You know, like what would tomorrow, well, what was so bad about today? And then you look at that and you say, okay, well, what could make tomorrow a little better? You know, if you went on a walk, if you, I'll tell clients, if you text me, just send me a text at lunchtime to say hi and touch base. And sometimes that's a grounding thing. And I'll say, you know, write in a journal. Go sit out at a park with a trail by the trees, take 30 minutes, go on a walk, listen to music or a podcast that's actually uplifting and inspirational, not that brings you down. Anyway, there are ways to say, I'm going to make tomorrow different because I'm not going to go down the same rabbit hole I went down yesterday. Good. Okay. So let's get into it after that intro. Uh, first question is kind of like going before we talk just oh, straight. Wow. We've got questions automatically right off the bat. Yeah. No I mean, transition, nothing. We're just diving oh, right in, okay. aren't we? Hold on. The topic of the day, we said it now probably six times, <laughs> is suicide prevention. Uh, but before we talk about that, it's kind of suicide, suicidal thoughts, I guess. 
don't don't just come out of nowhere like i feel like they are from either an experience you've had or something that's happened to you before in your life and so i think the biggest question first is how do serious mental health issues begin because i'm feeling that when you talk about suicidal thoughts you've got to have some pretty serious mental health issues if you're thinking that way well Generally, yes. Like typically it's going to be because of something that's prolonged, that's been around a long time. It is not always the case. Like there are the cases of somebody who loses a person that's so close to them in their life that it's so traumatic that it just instantly spirals them into a hopeless uh, position. So that's very rare, but it is possible to have it be like instantaneous or real situational in the moment. For the most part, you're going to have genetic issues, like in other words, a family history. Your parents, your grandparents, aunts, uncles, you have a history of people who have struggled with mental illness or have been suicidal or had major depression or bipolar disorder or whatever. So you're going to have a genetic piece sometimes. Sometimes there's not. And it's a life situation piece where you've grown up in a, an abusive or chaotic or addictive kind of environment where you've watched really unhealthy behavior that, that's created. Oh, children who grow up and see death, inner city possibly, and see a lot of drug use and abuse, see a lot of theft, see a lot of violence. Those people can be very susceptible to uh, getting you know, major depression and feeling hopeless because how am I going to get out of this? So that could be another one. Also, uh, when you've had, like I said before, any kind of severe loss in your life, it can easily make life feel like it's not worth living. I mean, that's a biggie there. But I think also on top of everything, it's it's never getting help for it. So the most susceptible people, a lot of times are the people that have never gotten treatment before. They yeah. They've had to... They've either pretended and looked like they were okay on the outside. How many of these songs, Nick, do, do we react to that they talk about the way I look on the outside versus the way I really feel on the inside? And so, so many times we walk around, we, we kind of wear our, you know, our, our merch here and look this way, but really inside I may be depressed or angry or miserable or whatever, yeah. but we dress it up. We put makeup on and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, that's totally true. I think a lot of, a lot of times people, you won't even realize it that they're dealing with something. I know I've had stories of um, friends and also just people that I've met in high school and college that have looked totally, completely normal. You would have no idea they're dealing with anything. And it doesn't even have to be like, I mean, for this for this show, it's we're talking about suicidal thoughts, but also it could be any any kind of anxiety or depression or thing, family issues they're dealing with that they look totally fine. And then when you get to know that person you're like wow i didn't like you play off so well that you yeah. are dealing with this like that's crazy so definitely yeah, and see they, that. they could have been dealing with it for years yeah. and a lot of times uh they didn't know it until recently like you talk about going it to college you've had a whole college experience but yeah. some of the big transitions in life are like middle school to high school and high school to college and then college to adulthood so those big shifts in there right now. <laughs> are all potential trouble spots because yeah. you're shifting your environment the people you're surrounding a lot of times and the spotlight that's on you so from middle school to high school you're all of a sudden with like grown-ups you know you're yeah. going in as a 13 year old person 
and you're with people that are 17, 18 years old, you're expected to do a lot more and measure up. And it can be a lot of pressure because adulthood feels like it's so close. Then college, I mean, high school to college, when you go to college, I mean, you know this more than me at this point, it's, it's kind of like you're out on your own and it can be very daunting to go away. It seems awesome and great and all, but it's not easy to manage class schedules, to manage people, to manage your daily routine, hygiene, food, taking care of yourself and, and being away from home like that you've been at for 18 years. So to be realistic yeah. about that, and then you move out of college, which you think is great and say you get your own place or you go away and you, you get your own job and it can be very lonely leaving college. Why? You can talk to this because you leave your friends, you're having to start all new and it's not always easy is what I mean. It's definitely not always easy. I can say that firsthand. I mean, it's been, I mean, just to be like very vulnerable with you, with all you, like moving back home has not been super easy for me. I mean, like all my friends, like I graduated early too. And so like, I have a lot of friends that I came into college with are still at college. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's even tougher because then I'm here and I don't have like a job where I have met new people necessarily. I mean, I met Virtually, I've met new people <laughs> yeah. through my job, but like I haven't met um, like friends or people, coworkers that I could that I can talk to. So like, this church. is a good point, and I want I'm gonna let Nick finish this, but yeah. I want y'all to hear this when I talk to people about virtual friends, because you can meet a lot of really great people. We have it's through reaction therapy, and a lot of young adults, teenagers to young adults, will tell me how many of their friends are virtual, so to speak, which means yeah. they live in different states and different countries. And they're really close to them and share a lot. You can speak to the fact that there is a clear difference between virtual friendships, which are great, and people you had at college that you hung with every day, that you went and did things with. And there is a difference in that connection and what that means. But go ahead and finish. Yeah, so I was just going to finish that thought with, like, I've had to realize that now, like, for me, since we are spiritual, we're Christian, that we go to church. um, And so that's a place where for me that I'm going to try to start meeting new people, even though it's hard to branch out and like people I've never met before, it's not easy for me, but I think that's one place for me to meet people and just like having to like find, find things to do with certain people. It's very hard. Like I've had nights at home where I've been by myself and like just kind of doing whatever it's because I don't, you know, I don't have any friends here right now. And especially when you used to be in a dorm and like you got, even when you're by yourself, there's like people all around everywhere. And so there's an instant community in here. All of a sudden all your friends live in different cities or States and you're here by yourself and your friends who, by the way, you finished in three years are still at school doing their thing. And it's not like they're out of school working and you can, yeah, no. And like, I definitely have still kept in touch with friends at college. I call a lot of them every week and just talk to them to see how they're doing. But like, and then also virtual, like you were mentioning the virtual friends thing. Like I've met a lot of really cool people and a lot of really close friends, I would say at this point through reaction therapy and through virtually mm-hmm. meeting them. But it definitely is not the same because I like a lot of, I think I've only met one person in person from reaction therapy. And it was a very like lucky thing that I got to meet this person. But other than that, I've never seen any of y'all in person. And so it's like that it's different when you meet somebody in person. Yeah. Cause now like whenever I see the person I met in person online, it's like, Oh, I have a better connection with them because I've actually seen them. I've shake shaking their hand. I've given them a hug, whatever. Um, so it definitely is different and it's not, it's not bad meeting virtual friends. It's just, is not the same as being, 
face to face and like i feel like yeah. you can know a person better when you're in person than you mm -hmm. can online yeah i agree but i yeah. there's a lot into that so that's what feeds into the depressive state when i talk about suicide yeah that's a culmination type element in a whole process usually so in other words there's a lot of depression prior to that and the depression many times is exacerbated it grows because of not getting enough attention or help to it which we'll go into yeah so what are kind of the types of people that typically have these mental health issues that can lead further down yeah yeah, this is this is pretty it's kind of one of those like you'd think it'd be obvious like there's typical people who deal with depression or are could be suicidal honestly it's anybody and everybody so anybody could be susceptible to it there are people who are could be less susceptible but i've seen extremely wealthy people i've seen extremely happy people end up depressed and suicidal not because they're happy but that they have good lives and they have good support systems around them, but they just struggle with staying happy. And so some things really bring them down. So it could be anybody and everybody, but typically it's going to be when people go, the biggie is when they're untreated, like they've gone years without really getting help to handle their moods, their coping skills. A lot of people with poor coping skills, in other words, they, they drink, they use drugs, they uh, they use any kind of compulsive component of food, of sex, of uh, drinking, smoking, gambling, spending money. Uh, any of those things could be things that bring you further down because they're not going to satisfy you. So poor coping skills when you're stressed or worried can lead to bigger depression. Bigger depression can lead to hopelessness and hopelessness can lead to the point of wanting to just end everything. So I think you're dealing with people who like have developed unhealthy habits over the years. You're dealing with people who haven't don't, gone through treatment effectively, like gotten the help they need. And you're dealing with people who really typically look like very normal, regular people that, you know, would look just like me or Nick or you that could really be struggling and they don't say anything to anybody. And so that's the trouble. You don't want to wait until it's too late to get help. So better to get help and have a therapist say, you know, I appreciate you coming in, but this you're you're better than you think you are. And we're going to stay in touch, but you're not at that point. Then it is to go in and say, oh, gosh, we're going to have to, you know, maybe look into a hospital or treatment facility for you because, yeah. you know, you need to be watched. Yeah, it's just made me think of like friends that I've had and who have dealt with stuff like that. But also like it's important to realize like the people you meet and the people you get to know, it's really important I mean, you can't trust everybody and not everybody's going to trust you, but people that you can trust and people that trust you, it's really a good thing to get to know them and figure out their life and like how they're doing. Because I mm -hmm. think it's, if we, if people, if more people could really keep each other accountable with that, I think it would be a yeah. lot. The suicide rate would go down mm -hmm. a lot. It's a lot of the times that people who don't have anybody checking in on them, making sure that they're doing okay. And really mm -hmm. like, because people can lie to your face. Like, friends can say, oh, I'm fine. But, like, it's really the friends that really will poke them enough to where they'll open up is, yeah. I think, a big thing. And so I've, I've seen that really firsthand with people in my life that, like, they'll say they're fine, but they're really not. And yeah. it's the people that can tell that they're really not fine. It's really huge. So I think 
being being able to be a good friend to the people you're around not even not even the people that you don't know just the people that you're around because i mean i don't know what we should have looked up like statistics about all this but like mm-hmm. i'm sure there is a ton of people there's people that you are friends with right now that are dealing with stuff like this that you probably would never guess and so yeah. i think it's really important to so many people have been suicidal that wouldn't necessarily commit suicide like that's true wouldn't complete that yeah but they feel that way there's yes. many people in life high percentage who have thought at one point or another i just would really rather not be here or i'm ready for this all to end and we've got to rationalize that and make sense of that that i know many people who they would not let themselves get to that point but they feel that hopeless and then there's the people that are questionable that things could teeter either way and they need the treatment. And so it's not going to help just to close our eyes and pretend and hope that nothing happens. We have to be able to be proactive and err on the side of caution and do something about it. That's why I tell young people, don't try to keep secrets for your friends. You know, when they say don't tell, or I'm not going to hang with you anymore, or, you know, you're not a real friend. If you tell somebody I'm suicidal or hurting myself like no you need to put that out in the open that that's like an addict trying to hide their their addiction you can't keep a secret from somebody who's potentially yeah. going to end their life yeah and i've heard a lot from people i don't know if it's like a a common like thing that therapists all therapists say or not but i know like with people like that i've had accountability with that i've like people that are like elders to me i guess is what you'd call them but people that are um, mentors to me, I guess they've always told me, I've had a couple of different ones and all of mm-hmm. them have told me, I'm not going to like, we can keep this confidential between us unless, uh, you're thinking about hurting yeah. yourself. Like that's the number one thing. It's like, if you're thinking about that, I can't keep that a secret. Mm-hmm. Like I have to yeah. tell somebody else about it and that, because it's, it's your life and yeah. lives are, everybody's life is so important. Yeah, that, you can't undo that choice yeah. uh, when it happens. So if it happens, you can't go back and say, wait, because it's done. And so you have to do something about it. That's the same thing in the mental health field. You know, if you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else, we have to say something about so it. You do say that to like mm-hmm. all your clients. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't go over it every single time yeah. with every client because yeah. most of them will know, at least the ones I see. But yeah. I do talk about it when I hear stories from them. Like, you know, if this is ever happening, I care enough about you that I need to say something. And that's how I verse it. Yeah. And most, some people that are in that state will probably say, oh, so you, you don't care about me that you're going to mm-hmm. tell somebody about this. It's like, no, yeah. actually the opposite is true. Like I care about you so much that I don't want you to do anything to yourself. Yeah. So I'm going to say, but anyway, let's go on to the next thing. What's the difference? Like we've talked about people from one spectrum that like could just maybe be having a bad day or kind of dealing with something that's painful. And then we, we can talk about people who mm-hmm. are really like in deep, deep waters when it comes to this. So what, what's the difference kind of between those people who are just having kind of a hard time and then people that are really like on the edge, I guess you would say. Well, I think that, um, let me get this on, on me for a second. I think when it comes to the levels of depression or suicidality, suicidal ideation, that a lot of times it's two factors. Number one is how long somebody's been dealing with these feelings and these thoughts. Okay, because there's two pieces there. There's feelings and there's thoughts about life and the hopelessness and what's the point and the anger and the sadness and all that. How long they've been dealing with it and how intense it's been. 
Some people have felt depressed for years, but it hasn't gone super deep in terms of like, I've given up and I'm going to start planning my way out of this world. Some people have felt very deep and intensely, but it's a very short period of time. And so, and they haven't gone to the point of, so it could be really short, it could be really long, it could be really deep, it could be really shallow. And you want to measure those two things. You know, how long has it lasted? Because the longer it lasts, the more potential for trouble it has. Yeah. The deeper it goes, the more potential for trouble. So you want to be able to pay attention to, if it goes, it could be a real, like I said, somebody loses somebody, the most significant person in their life, and they could dive really deeply. And... They may not want to end their life, but they may want to. And it's very likely they could if it goes really deep, really fast, because they're not thinking clearly then. So how long does it last? How deep does it go? The longer it lasts, the deeper it goes, the more likely there's trouble. Okay. If it goes deep and it's short-lived, you can do some quick treatment to be able to move out of that. Okay. In other words, get treatment quickly to get out of it. But if it goes a long time and it's going deeper and deeper, that's what you want to worry about. And also, there's something to be said for people's ability to recover and get better. And some people naturally want to get well. And some people, after their lives they've lived, don't want to get well. Like they they want to stay down, not because it's fun, but just because that's familiar to them. That's what they've lived in. And so you want to look at, how long it lasts, how deep it goes, and whether or not the person has kind of that inner capacity. It's almost like athletes sometimes, you know, when you take an athlete and you look at how they perform in a game, some athletes rise to the occasion when it's really stressful and some fall apart. And so you want to look at that when it comes to suicide or heavy depression is that some people can only take so much. And so there's people I have to be very careful with and be, be very soft with. And there's others that can be really direct with. And they can take direction and guidance and actually get well a lot quicker. Yeah. And that, that goes back to kind of mm-hmm. what I was saying about like friends and people you know. It's important to know the people you're around. And it's important to know your friends and know just know how people like... One of your classic phrases is how people tick. <laughs> yeah. just, just how, like, what are they going to, how are they going to respond to it? Like, you don't want to tell somebody who takes a uh, judge, not, I guess not judgment, but takes like, I don't even want to say criticism, but takes things too harshly, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Like, you don't want to tell, you don't want to be super hard <clears throat> on somebody who is suicidal, who takes things harshly, because that's just going to make them feel worse. But if, yeah. if somebody might be suicidal who can take that kind of harshness and that's what they need, then yeah. that's you kind of just have to read the person you're, mm-hmm. you're with, I feel like, is kind of what that goes yeah. to. That's where good therapy comes in. So if you're a good therapist, really good one, you can recognize it's like a trainer in a gym, right? How tough do I need to yeah. be and how or how soft do I need to be? Or same thing with athletes, like coaches to yeah. athletes. So because yeah. that can determine whether or not you get a response from the people. Yeah. And this, I mean, this is kind of basic, but like, I guess not basic. You've kind of gone over a little bit, but Mm -hmm. like what makes someone suicidal? Like what, what would you say? Like these things make, this is a kind of a blueprint for somebody who might be suicidal. Yeah. Like instant trauma stuff. Like we talked about a, um, a drastic shift in a life. Like I said, losing Mm -hmm. somebody super duper close or having a, hopelessness that comes in because life's not worth living anymore. 
And that could also be a, uh, you know, you could be in a, a car accident where all your family is gone and you're the one left. And that could be, what's the point? It can be people like speaking of Nick, it can be people that, you know, shift to college in life or graduate college and go into adulthood and they move to a new state with a new job and it could be a really good job, but they're all alone and they feel hopeless and it spirals within six months. They're feeling really depressed and suicidal. It can happen that way. So that can happen. And also it can be like just a life of one disappointment after another. And people just feel like they're in the ocean. You know, if you ever stand in the ocean, you get hit by a wave and you get up and you get by another wave and the waves just keep coming. It can feel like that, which is a really hopeless feeling. And then also people that feel like so exhausted and spent with the sadness, the depression, the hopelessness that they just want to stop the pain. The pain is so intense. They just want to stop it. So they feel so sad or so desperate or so alone that they just want to stop the pain. And those are the people that I think we have to watch out for because if the pain's too intense and they just don't feel, it's almost like being in a a deep pool of water that you can't stand on the bottom and you're doggy paddling, trying to keep your head above water. After a while, it gets so exhausting and overwhelming. You just don't have the energy to swim anymore. So those are the ones you look out for. Gotcha. Um, What, Kind of going to the more happy side, what can help someone overcome all this? We've talked about it throughout this kind of episode, but like what what are some like three or four like good things that can help someone overcome these well, kind of feelings? Having good support systems helps. So if you don't have a support system, you're all alone, you've got nobody else. You want to start working on that. That can come through therapy, that can come through a mentor, that can come from support groups or even a hobby like an activity in your world that you start to get involved in. It could be a walking club, a biking club, a a gardening club, or just any reading book club. Anything's possible, but you want to get support systems around you and try to build friendships. And it might take time, but that's always good. So people who don't have, or people that have support systems have a better shot at things like that because they have people to lean on. Also getting good treatment Mental health treatment is important because if you just go see a therapist, sometimes people can get more depressed because they don't feel like they're getting the help they need. So if you get good help, they can actually stay on top of moving you forward day by day and you think a day ahead and then a week ahead and then a month ahead and you start to live life forward rather than backward. Um, And then also combining treatment and medication. I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't prescribe medicine, but many times you'll, you'll have medicine prescribed in combination with treatment. And you'd be shocked when the medicine is given the right kind and the right dose at the right time, how it combines with treatment. It can make people feel a lot better. Medication is meant to help you not feel so depressed. It's not meant to help you feel amazingly great. And it's not meant to make you feel like a zombie and be numb. It's meant to help you feel like, I'd normally be sad today, but I'm not. And you move on with life. So that doesn't mean it has to be forever, but that kind of combination can help. But also um, a path forward, a plan to be what can really help people not feel so depressed is I actually have a path. (laughs) So when, you know, you're going to go on a trip somewhere and we've been to Florida before, let's say, we could get in the car and go to Florida. Like, I literally know the roads to take. It's not many. It's one main highway. And then when you get off, we kind of know where to go and where to exit. 
but I haven't looked at the weather. I haven't looked at the construction. I haven't looked at, you know, if any roads have changed since we've been there in a couple years, but we're just going to go. It's more likely to run into trouble when you just go than if you stop and say, did I fill up my tank of gas? Did I get everything packed? Did I check the tires? Did I? And so sometimes getting help and having a plan forward about depression and knowing, okay, I'm about to graduate college. Let me just make sure I have my ducks in a row. Or you could actually find a therapist that you don't need to see right now. You could interview therapists virtually even and say, I don't know that I really need something right now, but if I do, I want to be able to have somebody to go to and not have to find them then. That could happen too. Interesting. Cool. Is there any last kind of thoughts before we wrap this up about suicidal thoughts? Any last kind of words of wisdom maybe? Well, we could we could talk all day about this. Yeah, we could. Because, you know, stress and anxiety and trauma can lead to depression. Depression can lead to suicidal ideation. So we have to pay attention to sometimes it's a really long time path period of going through that. Sometimes it's very quick. And you've probably seen in your life, I know I've seen in my life with clients of mine, like sometimes it's like, wow, where did this come from? This person just all of a sudden is like in a really bad way. And so we have to be able to pay attention to, whoa, even people I've been treating can feel suicidal, even though they're getting the help. You know why? Because they still are living in the same life and there's something in their body that's keeping them from being able to just you know, crank the wheels on the bike, the pedals to get it going. And it's just hard and it takes a long time. So we have to keep working at it. And that's why I like the 12-step philosophy uh, that they use in 12-step programs. You know, the program works if you work it. You'll hear that all the time if you go to an AA meeting or an NA meeting or any kind of anonymous meeting, they're going to say it works if you work it. So keep on working. Uh, And it's true. It's true. This works if you work it. If you take uh, control of your life, and don't just try to wing it on your own, honestly, but try to take the initiative to get help. It works if you work it. And just kind of keep those words in your mind. Life works if you work it. If you can keep trying and not give up and you get good help and support, it can work. Hold on just a second. There it was. That was it. Okay, cool. Anything any last words before we move on? I've said week? mine. Cool. Well, uh, I'll say my last words. Um, There's the, next at words. The, at the end of Suicide Prevention Month, I just want to tell everybody that you are worth it. You are worth it to be here and to live, I believe, and um, as a Christian, but also just a person. I believe that all people are on earth for a reason. And so I think that is the biggest reason why everybody's worth it is because we're, we're here. And so like, you're not here by accident. You weren't created by accident. Like, do you know how mm-hmm. complex your body is? Like how, how, no matter what you believe, if you believe in God, if you believe in whatever, mm-hmm. your body is very complex. Like just think about it. Yeah. When, when you really think about how all your body parts work together, like you are so like creatively made that like yeah. you're here for a reason and don't take that lightly. And so yeah. I think it's very important to realize that you're worth it. That's what Just like the Justin Bieber song, life is worth living. Yeah. It's true. Wasn't very good, but I love that, that song. Not good. Those words but you're so worth it. <laughs> are so good. Life is worth living and you are worth it. Honestly, there's somebody out there 
that knows you're worth it. And yeah. I've seen it firsthand from so many people. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. We're going to get into our next, our final topic of today. There's more. There's only, there's just a little bit more. I thought like, you were ending it. Our wow. Q&A, we're just going to do oh. like one or two questions. So here we go. Q&A time. Oh, I thought just went right to me there. Um, I just asked y'all like literally less than an hour ago, uh, right before we started recording, that give us some Q&A questions. So a couple of people responded and we're going to so answer cool them. That's so cool how that yeah, happens. I, know. I love so technology. First one says, are you going to do any full album reactions in the future? That's mm -hmm. really a question for Nick. For me. I knew you were going to, when I read that, I'm like, oh, Tom's going to Mainly because it. I'm happy to do whatever. I have kind of two thoughts. Number one, it's kind of cool to go through an album to hear everything. But for me... It's a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I think y'all know me. I take a four-minute song and it's a 20-minute reaction. And so I'd go through an album and I would have to not, I'd have to listen more. I'd have to not react so much. And so sometimes I can get really worn out doing an entire album. And plus, I think for me, sometimes I lose some of the quality in going through, because we realize we got to go through 10 or 12 songs here. Otherwise, it's going to be three hours long. So to do that in like an hour, we kind of just have to listen to it. And then I can't really go back and do a reaction to it because I've already heard it. And so yeah. sometimes I like I like what we did with Tyler Joseph, where we took three at a time. I'd oh, like to cool. do something like that. But also I've seen like No Life Shack did it yeah. like a week ago where he reacted to a full album. And then he went back and reacted to one song. And what you, what I think would be cool to do is you could do an album reaction and just kind of listen to it. And you don't have to like break it down completely. Like you might hear like a couple bars every now and then and mm -hmm. like say what you think about it. But then go back and like Noah Shack said, he's like, I didn't catch all this first time. And he, he goes back, he remembers some of it, but he actually breaks it down the second time mm -hmm. where like you could do a full album reaction and then you could ask people like, Hey, what, you know, what, which, yes. which songs do you want me to like fully break down? Cause it's some of some yeah. of the albums, like it's very hard to have an album where all the songs are like ones you would want to react to. Like there's, I think yeah. NF does a really good job of like every single song has juice rolled the same thing, but like there's a lot of albums that have a couple of like not so great songs on it. And so like there wouldn't be a ton, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's an idea that I think would be cool, but obviously it's... I think it'd be cool. I, honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. know music enough to know... I've never yeah. done this. So true. maybe we should try it. Maybe. Um, this is interesting. Who is your favorite out of Juice, X, or Little Peep? They're frequently compared. Wow. And, I mean, all of them, unfortunately, are, have passed away, I but... Um, I, I I would assume your favorite's Juice. Juice World's my favorite, mainly because of his spirit and his off the top of his head ability and his energy. Lil Peep's second for sure because he's a close huh. second. I really do like listening to his music and I love seeing video of him because I think he has a real youthful spirit as well. Her had. And I think hearing some of his music with the with the beat drops he has are really intense. X to me has more of a um, that sharp edge to him. So some of the music is a little harder for me to understand, 
and maybe is a little darker. Mm. Uh, even though Peep and Juice will talk about drugs and, and dying and stuff like that, something about X's music that it just seems really like harder and darker mm. to me. Yeah, I don't know. I would go Juice X and then a little yeah. Peep for me. That would be my order, but all of them are great. So I'm not going to trash any of them. But. And for me, sometimes I think it's more of a personal thing, right? I don't know the music as well, but I know what I've listened to from each of them. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's going to do that it. Was good we questions. I love time, those. Obvi- not obviously, but for us, we're trying to keep these podcasts like more condensed and a little bit. This one went a little longer than we want, oh, wanted to. But. I loved it. I thought it went like that. Well, yeah, it did because you're the expert on it. <laughs> you know, I mean, Tom could talk about stuff for hours and if you give if you get me on the right topic i could too and it's not that i don't like this like i love doing these but it is like i'm not the expert on it and so like i just kind of do my best to answer i love it the mental health field i love and i love people to be able to hear ways they can do things we didn't talk a lot about that with suicide but you know it's just like the stuff i say don't curl up in a dark room we go again (laughs) right in a ball looking at social media Keep yourself moving. Balance keeps me stable. I'm not wearing that. You know, eating, sleeping, exercise, keep a good balanced life. That is the first step to getting yourself better. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. This was fun. Thank you for watching. Yeah, maybe next September we'll do this again. Yes. Part two in a year. Let's do it. That'd be cool. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you on the next Next Reaction Reaction Therapy Therapy Podcast. Podcast.